Hey everyone, Misaligned is back this week. Megan and I are going to be talking about a couple of articles today, so we don't have a super long episode planned. I know, Megan, you have quite a bit to say about each of these articles, and I think, you know, both are long enough and have enough substance to them to where we can talk about just these two at length for a bit. But before we dive into that, Today's show is brought to you by Vinyl Me Please. You can join their Record of the Month Club at joinvmp.com forward slash misaligned. And I'll tell you more about their October Record of the Month later in the episode. I also want to let you know that Misaligned is part of the Modern Vinyl family of podcasts. You can find all of the shows over at modern-vinyl.com. We're nearing the end of this season experiment here for this first season. So I would highly recommend, you know, going and checking out the Modern Vinyl podcast. And I believe Pilot Study has quite a few good things lined up. Megan, I know you're going to guest on a future episode here pretty soon. Hopefully. I haven't heard back about that. But if so, that'll be exciting. Yeah. So why don't you go ahead and introduce us to the first article we'll be talking about today? So here it is September, and we're talking about an article from July because we are always so timely with things. <laughs> NPR released their 150 Best Albums by Women list, and this list is awesome. I mean, there's some heavy hitters on there that you would totally expect to see, like Beyonce and Taylor Swift and uh, the Spice Girls even, as well as a few records that you wouldn't actually be like, oh, huh, interesting. I didn't consider that. Um, For example, Against Me makes the list with Transgender Dysphoria Blues. And I'm definitely going to talk about that a little later. But I don't know. It was a fun list. It was full of diversity. And it didn't just cover the basic pop genre. It went through country. It went through rock. I mean, it mostly had rock albums on there. It featured a lot of albums from the 60s and 70s, and it went into Latin music, soul music, R&B. It's great. I love it. We need more lists like this. Yeah, and one of the things I liked, you mentioned it wasn't solely pop music, but it was also not necessarily artists I had even heard of before. So I was looking through the list and I was like, who are these people and who are these bands that I've never heard of? So it's also a great way to discover new music too, because when you have a list of 150 albums, obviously there are probably very few, if any, people who have heard all 150 albums. And as someone who listens to multiple genres like both of us, you know, you would think that we'd even come a little closer. But I know for me, at least, I was just like, wow, I haven't heard of a good chunk of these albums. I mean, it's a little different on my end, because I have heard a lot of these albums. I mean, I'm going through this list kind of taking down some notes for later. And I mean, Joan Baez is on here. A lot of folk music is on here. And I grew up with the folk music. So there's a lot of artists on here I recognize and love. And yes, I mean, there's definitely some that I don't recognize at all, um, particularly when we get into Latin music, because I did not grow up listening primarily to Latin music. I would listen, you know, to Gloria Stefan. I know who Selena is. That's basically it. Right. And I feel like they did a good job of also putting in quite a few international artists. I know 
one of the ones I just scrolled to is Ofra Haza. I'm probably saying that incorrectly, but she's an Israeli singer. So the album actually released in Israel first, and then it came to the U.S. three years later. So that's something that's sort of very common to that happens internationally. And it's the same thing with like U.S. movies and music and stuff, too. I know sometimes when things are released here, they're not necessarily released at the same time everywhere. And mm-hmm. those releases can be staggered. But a three-year gap is a pretty big gap for the same release. This is true. And also, I want to make note that this list definitely does cover, as I said earlier, albums from the 60s and 70s. I mean, it says it's between 1964 and the present. But the two most recent albums on here are by sisters. Right. So, I mean, we've got Solange in here with A Seat at the Table, and we've got Beyonce's Lemonade, which both came out last year, and both definitely, definitely should be on this list. And I will talk more about that later, because I definitely have notes on that. (laughs) For me, I thought this was a very well put together list, but of course, based on what you and I listen to more, we might think certain things should be in a different order. But for me, a lot of the albums I was seeing on this list were albums that I think definitely deserve to be on this list. And I can't speak for the ones I haven't listened to or haven't heard of before. But, you know, you have Tragic Kingdom by No Doubt. And I feel like as big as No Doubt was for you know, sort of that ska punk genre, I feel like it would have been a huge disservice to just leave out a band like that, even though it's only female fronted or something like that. I'm a little surprised that certain bands or artists didn't make the list. But, you know, like if I'm remembering correctly, I don't think there was anything from Paramore on here. There was not. Um, You know, this list definitely did omit some artists. And that's okay. Everybody has different tastes. Lists can be very subjective. However, it does feel a little weird not having Paramore on this list. But then again, this came out in July and actually wait, After Laughter came out before July, right? Yeah, it was like April, May. (laughs) Okay, there we go. See, I'm so messed (laughs) up with my uh, months this year. Um. And another artist that I did see omitted was Christina Aguilera. Okay. Which I found interesting. I mean, if you're going to have a list with pop stars on it, sure, everyone expects Britney to be on here. But the fact that they kind of omitted Christina, who I feel has a better voice. Yeah. I thought that was interesting. Especially because Back to Basics, I believe, was the album that had quite a few hits for her. And... Like I said, some of these albums I probably would have put in a different order, like Shania Twain's Come On Over being at 89 felt a little low for me just because of the impact that record had on country music, especially in the late 90s. So for me, you know, because I personally love that album so much, I think it would have made it a little higher on my list. But another thing we need to note here is that 
this list wasn't made by one person. So you're not going to get a single person's take on this entire list. And I'm not entirely sure how they compiled this list. If they just sort of all decided on, you know, the 150 to one ranking, or if they had everyone who contributed make their own lists of one to 150 and sort of do it that way. Like I know some sites will do with their top 10 of the year list, which 10 is a lot easier to do than 150. So I'm curious as to how they came up with the ranking system that they use for this, but I'm sure that is, you know, not something that is available readily anywhere. I mean, as someone who listens to a lot of public radio, I kind of get that it's hard to rank lists. I mean, I look at technically the local station here, which is WNRN, who does have um, a staff member with picks on this list. But I look at WNRN and I think the DJs do individual lists at the end of the year, but then they invite the public to come in and submit their best picks for the year. And I mean, they literally compile so many records that I even forget came, like, come out and put it in their end of year roundup and you can pick and choose. So it's probably something like that. But going to who was on this list, they had a lot of women. And by a lot of women, I mean it's entirely women. Right. These are contributors to NPR Music, like Maria Sherman. These are people who work at, I guess, what you would technically call member stations. So some of the ones on here are the aforementioned WNRN, which I think is a partner, not necessarily a member station of NPR, like uh, WXPN in Philadelphia. But they also have WFUV, KEXP, and WWNO. I kind of know about KEXP. I believe that's a California station. I, I honestly have no idea. The, but the... because it's because it's a K, I'm pretty sure it's California. <laughs> I should probably Google this before I make a fool of myself. We do have a lot of K stations out here. so Yeah, the West Coast has all the Ks. The East Coast has all the Ws. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. See, here I am making a big fool of myself. It is not a California station. It is actually based out of Seattle. Okay. I, that was going to be my next guess because there's definitely like a couple stations in Seattle that are pretty well known. Yeah. And that's one of them. And I've just made a giant fool of myself because I apparently have inherited my family's bad at geography, Jane. <laughs> I have suddenly turned into my brother. At least you got the right coast. Yeah. There's only yeah. three states on the coast, so you know. <laughs> True. But going back to who also contributed, we also have people from various NPR programs, like Talia Schlanger, the host of World Cafe. And technically, that is XPN, so that's pretty cool. They also have one of the hosts from All Things Considered putting in some picks, as well as Folk Alley, Mountain Stage, and Lincoln Center, which are all wonderful programs. And I really like that they have World Cafe's Talia on here because she's new. She just, I want to say this year took over as host for that show and it's been interesting listening to her 
do World Cafe. Um, she's also Canadian, so that has some impact on some of her picks as well and, like, how she views stuff in the music world. Yeah, and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about specifically with this article is the top 10, actually. And, you know, a lot of the albums in the top 10 are from the 60s and 70s. So do you feel like that's just a result of what sort of, I guess, these contributors listen to? Because I feel like quite a few of the contributors for the radio stations and NPR in general maybe fall on the older side. So, you know, they're not necessarily listening to the same music that you and I are. And I know we both listen to some older stuff, but, you know, it's probably not every day that we are listening to Janis Joplin or Patti Smith or something like that. So what do you think of sort of the mix that they have in the top 10 and the fact that it does lean heavier to the 60s and 70s. I think it just goes to show that those two decades in particular were so influential on the state of music today. And I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, you have artists today who were going back and commenting about Joan Baez and Patti Smith and Nina Simone and how influential they've been on their music today, which I love. Like, I'm actually really happy with this top 10, and I find it interesting that some of these artists on here actually have multiple albums within the list itself. Like, Nina Simone, for example, um, she has... No, that's Joni Mitchell at number one. Um, I love that Nina Simone Sings the Blues is on this list at number 28. Like, that is such a wonderful album, and I kind of wish it was higher, but... Her album, I Put a Spell on You, from 1965, is number three on this list. Right. And we look at number two, and that's Lauren Hill's The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. I find that interesting because that's an album I have listened to, I have enjoyed, but I haven't given a deep dive into. And I'm not sure who the author is on this, but I do want to touch on the fact that I believe that Desiree Moses from WNRN and Maria Sherman, who's an NPR music contributor, might be the youngest writers on this list. Right. But number one with Joni Mitchell's Blue, oh my God, that it's, I love it. I love it so much. Like my heart, like, I just love Ann Powers' writing as well. And she's the one that wrote about it. So I'm like, this is great. Um, But let's see, we've got Aretha Franklin on this list in the top 10 at number four. Missy Elliott's iconic Super Dupa Fly from 1997. That album is 20 years old now. Yeah. And the fact that it is number five on this list, it's just mind-blowing that she has had that much of an impact on the state of music today. And then if we look at, you know, number six, it's interesting that Lemonade is lower than Super Dupa Fly because of the impact it had. I'm not complaining. I'm really not. Um, But then we look at, there's Janis Joplin on here. We've got Amy Winehouse at number nine. And it's also interesting that Back to Black ranks higher than 21, which I think is in the top 20. Don't quote me on that. (laughs) Might be in the top 30. But then we also have at number 10, Carol King's Tapestry. Like, I actually have that record. I don't remember where it came from it might have been on my mom's collection 
but that is just such an iconic album to me and of course i've got um i feel the earth move just in my head right. and gilmore girls fans will probably i want to say you've got a friend is the theme song to gilmore girls I have no idea. I've never watched that show, or if I have, it's just been little bits here and there. But what surprised me with the top 10 were some of the ones that were pushed out just, you know, outside of that top 10. You know, you have Whitney Houston's self-titled album at 14, and then you have Fleetwood Mac's Rumors at 16. And to me, I feel like those are two artists that most people might put in their top 10 because Whitney's voice is just so amazing that I feel like I'm not saying, you know, they're wrong by not putting her in the top 10. It it was just a little bit of a surprise for me because, you know, I understand that Missy Elliott doesn't have the best voice, but what that album did for hip hop and that sort of thing is what pushes that album up as high as it is probably. So it's just like I said, interesting how they came up with this ranking, especially getting so many different contributors on this article. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I keep bringing up Maria Sherman because she is actually going to be a guest on our podcast. We're recording this on the 20th and we'll be chatting with her on the 25th. So I'm sure by the time this airs, we will have already recorded our episode with Maria. But Maria's picks, um, pretty sure I got them all. She has the Eurythmics with Touch at 101 on this list, Sonic Youth's Sister at 127, Live Through This by Hole at number 50, and the lone Taylor Swift album, Fearless, at number 99. What I find interesting about that is that that is a total Maria Sherman list. Like, I know that those are probably artists that have definitely impacted her. Right. And I've seen her writing, and it definitely veers towards those genres. But I am surprised that Taylor Swift's Fearless made it onto this list over, say, Red or 1989. Because I think those two albums are more influential than Fearless. And I say this as a not-Taylor Swift fan. Like, I am familiar enough with her music despite my complete disdain for her, to recognize that Red in 1989 might be better and more influential. And when I go back and look at Desiree from WNRN, her tastes definitely sphere towards that of a public radio station DJ. She's got a Stevie Nicks album at number 70, the Spice Girls record at number 64, and I am elated that that made the list because you honestly can't have a list of some of the best albums by women without ever including the Spice Girls because of everything they have done for the music world. That and I will stand for the Spice Girls forever (laughs) as long as I live. But she also has Etta James Rocks the House at number 48. Like those are three vastly different albums from each other and I love, 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 love that they are on there. Um, And did Cher make this list? I don't know. I don't even know if Celine Dion made this list either, (laughs) now that we're thinking about it. (laughs) I mean, I only bring up Cher because NPR Music just had an article about Cher today that Desiree wrote, and I read it, and it's wonderful. Um, So, you know, there's that. But when you live in an area where you see the radio station folks sharing the stuff, you know, you're going to see it. And that came out today. 
So let me see. I want to say Cher is on this list. I would be extremely disappointed if Cher did not actually make it on this list. Oh, she is not. I literally just Googled NPR 150 Cher. And there's an article from the Phoenix New Times that talks about records that are missing. And... Plus the fact that we're even able to, you know, look at 150 albums by women and still be like, oh, hey, but what about these albums? I think that just goes to show the entire purpose of this album in general, too. Just the fact that there's a vast amount of albums to pick from, even in a list as big as 150 albums. Yeah, Cher is not on this list, which... According to this article from the New Times, there is no mention of Cher, the first pop singer to record an album of American standards, which is 1973's Dreadful Bittersweet White Light, and who popularized the use of autotune in pop music with her monster disco hit Believe. Yet there are two entries for Madonna, the Spice Girls. Um, That is interesting. And the other thing I want to bring up before we hit our midway point here is some of the artists on here. We have Fleetwood Mac at number 16 with Rumors. Mm -hmm. People might argue that that is an album that needs to be higher on this list. Right. But yet you've got Stevie Nicks at 70. And at number 149, this surprised me, but in a good way. We've got Alicia Keys with Songs in A Minor, which is an album that came out when I was in fifth grade. And I love it so much to this day. Like, Alicia has done a lot for the world of music, too, since the 2000s. She's powerful, and I love her. And, I mean, I haven't found a reason not to love her yet. Right. And then we've got, at 140, Nora Jones with Come Away With Me, which is a classic. But there are some albums of hers that I find better than Come Away With Me. It's just, like, her little bluesy debut. Um, Solange at 134 it's interesting that they put her at 134 and lemonade at number six because last year it was actually a seat at the table that seemed to top many end of the year lists including mine i believe i know that hers was higher than beyonce's on that list yeah but it's interesting that you would put beyonce so high but solange so low when that record got more positive critical acclaim than lemonade I mean, we've got Britney Spears in here with her debut at number 93. We have the legendary Selena at number 19. And I will say it's great that she is in the top 20, but 19? No, she she deserves much better than that. Her legacy deserves so much better than that. And then Shakira is on this list, but I believe it is one of her Spanish language albums, which is fun. And let's see. Oh, yes. We have at number 109, Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. I believe that this is the only record on this list featuring a trans person. That record is so influential. It talks about Laura Jane Grace's battle with gen- or transgender dysphoria. And I think a lot of folks began to realize that Against Me was much more than just some punk band with that album. So I'm very happy to see it on there. But at the same time, I'm kind of disappointed that it made it in at 109. Like maybe it should have been in the top 100 because that would have been even more just awesome. 
Yeah, and when you consider the general time frame that they're using here and the fact that there are a lot of older albums, the fact that they still did include that one, I think is a really good thing because a lot of the older artists, you know, they were clearly from a different time. So, you know, there probably weren't as many trans artists to pick from from that time period. So the fact that they did, you know, have this on the list, I think is definitely a good start for adding to the list in a more diverse way and not just, you know, with the genres of music. Right. And I mean, it's already an extremely diverse list. Yeah. And I think this is literally one of the most diverse pieces of writing we have seen in modern age. And I guess I was just thinking, um, let's see, holes live through this. I'm in the 50s right now. Um, Celia Cruz, I was just about to say, I don't remember if Celia Cruz made it, but she did. There's a lot of Latin artists on here, which is great. I mean, more people need to be exposed to this music, I think. But I love the fact that they have Celia Cruz's full name, which is very, very long, and talking about the impact she's had. But then they put Emmy Lou Harris right after her. So yeah, this diversity, I love it. Yeah. Well, let me tell you all a little bit more about Vinyl Me, please, before we dive into the next article we are going to be talking about, which that one might not take as much time simply because there weren't, you know, paragraphs to go along with their choices. But Vinyl Me, Please is a Vinyl Record of the Month Club. It's the best record club, in fact. Every month, Vinyl Me, Please features one album that is essential to the modern vinyl collection and sends it to thousands of members worldwide. The October Record of the Month is Moses Sumney's A Romanticism, and it's his debut, and they are pressing it on a black and white split vinyl. So that will give you a vinyl-only bonus track, too. And I've mentioned this before. Megan has mentioned it before. They do really cool things with this Record of the Month Club. They don't just, you know, press a record in black and just send it out. They put a lot of time and effort into the variants, and they give you a 12 by 12 inch art print to go with it, a cocktail recipe, and they now have albums you can buy outside of the record of the month. So they have a little extra store for the members to pick and choose some albums from and everything like that. So there's always going to be something for everyone to find with this store basically now. So again, the link to join is joinvmp.com forward slash misaligned. And we will have that in the show notes. So you don't have to, you know, slow us down or back the podcast up a few times to get that. But Megan, we are going to jump into our second article now. And this is the 150 worst albums made by men. And this was over on Jezebel. Yes, and this was actually written as a response to the 150 best albums by women. And I feel like in a way, it's almost like a bit of a parody. Because you look at this list and they are kind of hilarious. Like these are albums you would totally expect to see on here. Like Kid Rock is number one, which yeah, that's a pretty bad record. Yeah, and then, you know, the the issue I had with it was it seemed like this list wasn't nearly as diverse as the NPR list. And a lot of these records are sort of 
records that got a ton of radio play too. So, you know, you have Stevie Wonder on this list. And I don't know if I would put Stevie Wonder any, even his worst record, I don't know if I would put it in a 150 worst records by men because it's Stevie Wonder. So I feel like it has to be at least better than 150 other records. Well, it's interesting to note in here that Julianne Shepard wrote at the end, they're in no particular order apart from the top 10 or so, which deserve more disdain from me personally than most. You might find your favorite group on here, but don't feel offended. Taste is always subjective and it's 2017. Everything is bound to be utterly stupid from here on out, which given how this year has gone, it's not wrong. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, even though she said that, a lot of this still felt like a parody because I don't know about you, but I enjoy Boney Bear. So to see him on this list, too, I was just like, okay, well, that's that's an interesting choice. And I told you before we were recording, like, I will defend all of the Justin Timberlake albums. And even though he's listed at number 15 on this, like she said, only the top 10 are really in order. And there are albums that I did expect to see on here. Like you said, the Kid Rock album, Bruce Willis Mm -hmm. having the return of Bruno (laughs) because, you know. Oh, and uh, 21 Pilots is on this list. They deserve to be on this list. Let's not lie here. Never join that fan team at all. Yeah. And, you know, I have done an entire podcast on 21 Pilots, and it's a lot of me just saying, you know, I don't really listen to the band too much. So there is that. But, you know, artists like Jay-Z and Kanye West, they're extremely popular. And I feel like, you know, their fan bases might be a little more upset with this ranking than I am. But it did feel more like a parody and not necessarily something that was to be taken as seriously as NPR's list by any means. And yeah, I mean, you've got Sifyon coming in at number 60 with Illinois, which is one of his best albums. If anything, Age of Ads should be on this list because I just still can't get into that one. Yeah. And like I said, a lot of these albums were huge on the radio. You have Ed Sheeran's Plus, I guess, is what we're calling it. And you have One Direction's Four. Yeah, and even Gavin DeGraw's self-titled album was pretty big when it came out. Same with, you know... Jack tw- Johnson's In Between Dreams. Yeah, and the 21 Pilots album, ACDC's albums are, were probably all big be- just because it was ACDC. So I feel like yeah. with this list, they didn't put in as many lesser-known artists as NPR's list maybe did because, like I said, not everyone is like you and I, where they will go listen to a ton of older music. Some people will literally only listen to music from when they started, you know, listening to their own music. Not everyone is still listening to, you know, like what their parents listen to or anything like that. So it's definitely interesting to see what people will choose to put on any list that they do really when it comes to music. I mean, if I had to describe this list with some sort of ridiculous adjective, it would basically be a jar of mayonnaise, which kind of describes the current state of the music industry, too, where (laughs) we're putting so much focus on these white male artists. This list is literally chock full of white male artists. You could build a huge sandwich with like five gallons of mayo with this list, which is kind of funny. 
I do have to laugh that Kevin Federline's playing with fire is on this list. Um, <laughs> because uh, Papa Zhao, an iconically bad song. <laughs> like, I still have to laugh about that song. But looking at this, there's some really, really good albums on here. Right. I mean, I feel like more of the Nickelback album should be on here because honestly, it's Nickelback. Let's be real here. Yeah. And I saw fun on here, too. I was like, was Some Nights Bad? (laughs) You know, it was just Uh, one of those things that made you think because that was sort of the album that skyrocketed them. And it's an album. Which is probably why it's on this list. Yeah. So that's what I mean. It seemed like a lot of these were in heavy rotation at least the singles on radio and everything and you have well the chain smokers are pretty high on this list and they deserve their spot definitely with all the same chords and basically it's all the same song and they actually did a song with florida georgia line which bad it's all bad yeah and you know like you said some of the artists it's surprising that they aren't higher up on the list but if she only really focused on the top 10 then it's like we kind of don't really know what order this list is in from 11 to 150 basically yeah i mean dave matthews is on this list and i mean everyone has an opinion of dave matthews and i think the general modern vinyl uh (laughs) reaction to dave matthews is not a good one I mean, I can say I'm not a fan. I'm hoping to go to that Charlottesville concert on Sunday. I'm not sure if that's going to happen. Maybe it will. I don't have a ticket yet. Um, But he does a lot of good for his community and just everyone in Charlottesville loves him. I think James doesn't like him either. And he went to UVA and just, yeah, I can actually understand that. Um, I mean, but you look at... Limp Biscuit, they're on this list mm-hmm. with uh, Hot Dog Water. Fish is on here, obviously. Interesting that Drake's Fuse is on here, but, you know, it's Drake. Yeah, and I mean, th- that sort of covers everything I had to say about this list because, you know... Oh, man, this list is so funny, though. I haven't even heard some of these records in years, and just looking at the titles makes me have flashbacks to like middle school (laughs) yeah and i'm by no means taking offense to this list i just find it very interesting on some of the albums that did make it on here because like you said you like the or you like some of these albums a lot too so for us it's just like well that's an interesting choice here and there and then otherwise russell crowe is on this list and american idol contestant bo bice like I'm honestly a little surprised one of Shaq's albums didn't make the list. <laughs> uh, where is... Uh, wait, no, we can't say Aaron Carter because that's how I beat Shaq is iconic and wonderful. <laughs> and Aaron's party is still a jam today. But it's interesting when you look at this. There are also no boy bands on here, save for One Direction. Somehow, NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys have maintained their place in history as actually being good, but I do believe I saw 98 Degrees yeah, on here. Yeah, they, they are on there. 98 Degrees or Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? 98 Degrees. Okay. Like, Korn is on here, Papa Roach is on here. At least I, I thought I saw 98 Degrees. Yes, there they are at 47. <laughs> yep, yep. It's just funny. Like, my God, they've got Toby Keith on here, which... I think he's on there a couple of times. 
But I think it's just once. I think it's just once because it, it is. He's at number five, and I think is he's he somewhere. Really? F- yeah, he's somewhere further down the list here. I think they 54. have. 54. He's at 54. Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah, he does make it on here a lot. <laughs> That's funny. It's interesting that Lou Reed is on here twice as well with Lou Reed and Metallica, and I think a different Lou Reed album. This is too funny. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else you want to specifically mention on this, or do you want to go on to recommendations? Because people can definitely check out these lists for themselves and, you know, form their own opinions for sure. Oh, man. I just entered the comment section. These are things you never want to enter on the internet, but I feel like it's worth it for this, even though I hate the commenting platform Jezebel uses. I think they're on that Kinja, which is really annoying. Like, AV Club just switched over to that. Well, yeah, Um, I I think all of the sites now have a very similar look for anything that is, you know, Jezebel, AV Club, Deadspin. Oh, man. Oh, man. This comment. This comment. Someone is scanning the list, and they say, wait, Sifian Stevens' Illinois is on here, but literally nothing by Smash Mouth? I mean, I was warned the world was going to roll me, but not like this. Not like this. And a lot of people are like, Smash Mouth has to be on this list. It has to. Followed by, well, I guess you ain't the sharpest tool in this shed. Um, Ben, (laughs) this thread... (laughs) That second, not like this, was totally uncalled for, Dr. Donna. If you're going to pull a switch like that, how about a little warning? Yeah, and there's like over 1,100 comments on here, so I didn't even bother. I typically do not enter the comment sections if I can avoid it. Oh, man, this comment, too. Low-hanging fruit comments, some embarrassing things to admit. Korn's self-titled Was is actually one of my favorite metal albums from middle school. I went to a store at midnight to buy Limp Bizkit's Chocolate Starfish. I liked Creed. Sure, Human Clay isn't great, but my own prison was. I owned three copies of Stain's Break the Cycle. And then, I outgrew my metalhead days once I got into high school, but then I became emo, so it was slightly less tolerable. That's really funny. Um, This thread, oh man, like this comment section is golden on here. Another person says, I didn't do the midnight purchase, but Chocolate Starfish is number one with a bullet on my, oh God, what was I thinking list? We all make mistakes. And this is also all before the death of Chester Bennington. So there's some Linkin Park hate in here as well. Yeah. And I noticed Collision Course with Jay-Z was on the list too. Which is a jam to this day. I will not be ashamed to say that at all. Oh, man. So, yes, I would recommend reading the comment section on this because this is funny. There, I'm look like there's a debate about new metal on here now. Although someone actually just tried to justify why Limp Bizkit is good by saying that Wes Borland's experimental guitar work was worthwhile. <laughs> hmm. Interesting. But basically, people are saying, yeah, Chocolate Starfish, Hot Dog Water, very embarrassing album to own. I don't think I've ever listened to that, so I cannot confirm nor deny. (laughs) don't own that, but let's see. There's so much hate on this. Why Why don't we take a look at this album really quickly? Oh, okay. So this is the album from 2000, and it features such hits like Rollin', My Way, and My Generation. 
I also did not know that Roland's full title was Roland Air Raid Vehicle. All right. But there's also a remix, I guess? Roland Urban Assault Vehicle featuring DMX, Method Man, and Red Man. And it was produced by Swizz Beats. Interesting. Huh. That's new to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, these are songs that I probably just listed off. At the very least, you have to know Roland and My Way. Those song titles do absolutely nothing for me off the top of my head. Really? <laughs> the the Limp Bizkit song where they're like, keep rolling, 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 rolling. What? All right. I have just embarrassed myself and this isn't even live yet. But that song, you don't know that song? I honestly don't know if I can tell you what any lyrics to any Limp Bizkit song is. And I am perfectly okay with that. Wow. And I mean... A lot of people know what My Way is because it was used as a package with the theme song and part of a video package for Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock for the then WWF Championship at WrestleMania X7. Yeah, I have no idea and I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> I think you at the very least would have heard that too because if I'm remembering this song correctly, the lyrics are, it's My Way, My Way or The Highway. And now I'm going to have one Biscuit song stuck in my head for the rest of the night. This is fun. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I will not have them stuck in my head because, you know, that lyric sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't know if I ever actively listen to any of their songs enough to remember anything. <laughs> and see, that actually surprises me a little, given the fact that I feel like everyone and their mother has heard this song at least once in their lives, or like those two aforementioned songs, because of heavy airplay in the early 2000s, like in middle school i guess yeah you know i'm sure there are songs lots of songs that i've heard once and completely forgotten about so i don't know if that is just what happened here or if you know i just have a really bad memory when it comes to bad music which is also fine with me <laughs> yep yeah, it's probably fine i'm oh my god I just hit the Wikipedia page for Roland, and apparently it is the song in the intro video of NHL Hits 2002 and is heard in the menus and gameplay as well. And from 2005 to 2007, it was the goal song for the Buffalo Sabres. That seems horrible. <laughs> that's That's really funny. Yeah. All right, well, why don't we cut off the Limp Biscuit talk and move on to recommendations? Yes, this week I have a song, and it is from the Con 10 covers, which is the celebration of 10 years of the Con by Tegan and Sarah. This week, churches released their version of Call It Off, and it's awesome. Like, I'm looking forward to this album coming out. I love the guests on it. Like, this album is going to feature Haley Williams of Paramore, Purvis, Sarah Morellis, City and Color, as well as several other awesome artists. Yeah, that definitely sounds like something I will have to check out. Yeah, and I mean, Bleachers is even on it too, so that should be fun to hear. Yeah, definitely. Well, my recommendation is a little bit of self-promotion this week. So I started a newsletter, I want to say, by the time you guys are listening to this, about six weeks ago. So I've been releasing it every Friday. And basically what's in it is 
the stuff that I have been working on throughout the week, and then I toss in either a song or some podcasts and some other article links just to things that I found interesting throughout the week. And that's sort of a good way to keep up with everything I'm working on. I'll put the misaligned episode in there, the welcome to geekdom episode in there and any writing that I do. So some weeks are lighter than others. And I think, you know, this last or late this latest one is pretty heavy because I ended up doing quite a bit of writing this week and I still have a few more things to write before you guys even listen to this and before I do the next issue on Friday. So if you sign up after listening to this, you will be able to start with issue seven, but you can always go back and check out the other ones too. And that is called Pop Culture Hustle because I put it to a Twitter poll and that is what won. (laughs) Twitter polls are great, aren't they? They'll be better when third-party apps are allowed to use them because I. That's true. It's literally the only reason I still have the Twitter app on my phone. That's true. I think it's just whenever Twitter decides to release the API to their third-party apps. Yeah, and I honestly don't know if they will because I know they've been keeping a few features to themselves. Like Tweetbot just recently implemented, you know, sending photos through direct messages, which I feel like Twitter has had for a while and is like they just now released it and people are getting around to putting it in their third party apps. I feel like Tweetbot, though, was bought out by Twitter. So it's interesting that they don't have that on there. No, Tweetbot is not. I think you're thinking of TweetDeck. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking of TweetDeck. See, I'm mixing up my apps here. I've used TweetDeck. I've loved TweetDeck. (laughs) Still need to get Tweetbot. That's what a lot of people use because, you know, Tweetbot is a little on the pricier side. I I think I paid maybe like 10 bucks for the iPhone and iPad app and then like 20 for the Mac app or something. But I use it every day and it's much easier to switch accounts on there, at least in my opinion, than the regular Twitter app. So that alone is worth it for me because of how many accounts I'm on throughout the week. That's true. But anyway, Twitter rambling aside, that wraps up our article discussion and our recommendations for the week. Like I said, we'll have, you know, this season coming to a close soon. Megan mentioned we are having Maria Sherman on next, and then we will do a final episode after that. And then we will be working on what comes next. We aren't entirely sure how long the break will be. It depends on how long it takes us to get everything lined up. So hopefully it'll be a shorter break than this recent hiatus while we were sort of working out what we were going to do going forward. But as always, thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.